All right, well, let me invite you to turn in your worship guide to page three, or if you have a Bible, uh, to the book of Exodus, chapter 13, verses 17 through 22. Going to uh, read the text before you and then invite you to respond uh, as indicated below. Would you listen now with open ears as I read from this, the book that we love? When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day and in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not part before the people. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. O Lord our God, we come to you and we sit under uh, these words. They are indeed very strange to us. Uh, Lord, it's uh, difficult for us to hear them and to place ourselves uh, in this caravan of people. Um, walking, following a mysterious cloud and a mysterious fire, going in all sorts of directions that confuse us. And yet, Lord, truth be told, for some of us, uh, it's not that hard to relate to these words because we find ourselves very confused right now. Lord, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, whether we come here uh, in joy uh, or in bewilderment, whether we come here Uh, having good things in our lives or having everything fall apart, whether we come here with much faith and much trust and much hope in you, or whether we come here in despair or in doubt or in disbelief, I pray that whatever place we find ourselves in this morning, that you would give us ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us this morning. Speak, O Lord, for your servants are listening through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. We are wrapping up our summer, summer, uh, spring slash summer sermon series called With a Mighty Hand, Becoming Reacquainted with the Power of God. And I thought this would be a good time for me to kind of reintroduce who I am. A lot of you are new and haven't had the privilege of being able to go to breakfast with you yet. If that's true, uh, would love to do that. Uh, Part Uh, Part of why I'm a pastor, a big part of why I'm a pastor, uh, is because I believe that God has called me to work alongside you in this church, and the goal that I have is the increase of your joy in God. That is my mission. I exist in this role so that you would have a deeper, a more profound, a more real, a more tangible joy in God than you presently do. That's my mission. 
right? And if you're here this morning and you're just fulfilling a family commitment and you're saying, I don't even know that I believe any of these things, this could be a fairy tale for all I know. I just want, to, want you to know, if you are here, I'm so happy you're here. Recognize that you might have all sorts of questions and doubts, but I want you to know that that is my mission this morning. That you would become someone who experiences real and tangible joy in God such that can never be found in anywhere or anyone else. And part and parcel to this mission, a huge part of this mission being fulfilled, if it is going to be, if this desire is going to be realized in you, absolutely essential to this happening is for you to become acquainted with or reacquainted with God's power with the power of God to be at work in your life. Now, I want to tell you, there's something about uh, the way that we relate to God that you need to understand and you need to accept. And that's this, okay? Having an encounter with God is a wonderful thing, but it does not guarantee that you will continue to trust Him the next time you find yourself in need, okay? Let me repeat that. This is the message of Exodus, by the way. The big time message of the first part of Exodus. Just because you happen to experience something powerful in your life, as many as you have, as I have experienced, right? Some of you have incredible stories, right? I could, I could tell stories from this church of answers to prayer that we've seen, of powerful movements of God that we've seen. Just because you have experienced those things, or if you do someday, the very fact of that does not mean that the next time you get a call, the next time you're informed of a crisis, the next time the shoe drops, it doesn't guarantee that that time that you will trust in what God is doing. How do I know that? Well, a better part of the narrative of Exodus is God's people experiencing not just one encounter with God's power, but over and over and over and over and over again, such like has never before been experienced, nor ever again, I believe, will be experienced. They experienced the top shelf of God's power. And what the story will play out is that every time, it seems, they, are in, they encounter a crisis, every time the shoe drops, every time... Their, their life hits a turn where they don't think that they will be provided for. They doubt, right? This is like the way it works, it seems. And so my mission and my uh, desire here is to help you become acquainted with the way God's power works and how we relate to it. And the way that we are designed to relate to God's power is by way of faith. That's the simple message that's before us this morning. It's what I've been trying to uh, communicate week in and week out as we go through this book is that the way that God has designed us to know Him, to relate to Him, to experience Him is by faith. Right? The Bible puts an absolute premium on this reality. And I wanted, what I want to do as we sort of wrap up, Sam is going to uh, give us the crossing of the Red Sea next week. We're coming towards the end here of our uh, section, what I want to try to do is I want to try to help you have a perspective on how it is that God is leading you this morning. And if you're a Christian this morning, 
right? Even if you're not a Christian, it's pro- it could very possibly be the case that God is at work leading you, just like that fire and cloud went before of this caravan of two million people showing them where to go, taking them to places that didn't make sense. In the same way, if you're a Christian this morning, or if you are on your way to becoming a Christian, that God, in the same way, in no less way, is leading you somewhere to something for some reason. And I want to help you understand how that works. And my desire is that this summer, that you would actually invest in that relationship that you have with God so that He would lead you into more joy, into more exposure to Him, into more blessing. That is my simple desire and mission this morning. So let's get into it together. Okay, so here we have it. The people of God have seen all kinds of miracles displayed in their midst. Right? They've seen God do what He promised. He rescues them out of Egypt. And now He is leading them to the promised land. Right? And the promised land, you know, they would have heard stories of this land of absolute abundance, such, such that they had never experienced before, a place where they would never be oppressed like they had been for several generations in the land of Egypt. A land that would seem, as it were, too good to be true. But in a step of courage, they decide to do as, as instructed. They place the blood on the door, They get ready to go, and when the sound comes, they take their families and their children and their crying babies, and they go on a journey that they think, excuse me, that they think will be about 646 miles, okay? So they're, you know, walking by camel and foot on this journey that they think will be 646 miles. Now, friends, if you were to tell me that I was going to get to the promised land, but I had to walk 646 miles, I would say, guys, I'm really out of shape, okay? I don't, you know, I, I don't think I can do this. That, that, that was what they were facing, 646 miles. And they get it, they go out, not sure what's going to happen with Pharaoh. Is he going to change his mind as he did over and over and over and over again? But they know that there's this cloud by day and this fire by night. And they, they just, as they're trusting and following uh, this interesting phenomenon, uh, as they are headed toward the promised land. And here's what happens. Uh, Verse 17, it says, When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. And friends, I just want to help you appreciate what's happening here. So they're about, I, I prefer the metric system, by the way. Does anyone prefer the metric system? Does anyone wish that we would go to kilometers and centimeters? All right, they were, see, it's so, it's so nice and easy. They were a thousand kilometers, right, from Goshen to Canaan if they went in a straight line, okay? They were a thousand kilometers. They were, what God does is, so this is Canaan, and they're marching towards it thinking, man, it's a long journey, but we're going to do it. We're going to go there. And God says, actually, we're going to go this way. They turn about 90 degrees, and they walk 500 kilometers in the wrong direction, okay, right, and they're headed towards the Red Sea. They are going to be enclosed by the army of Egypt, right, but why does God do that? Why does he do it? What is his reason for taking them in the wrong direction and in a direction that will result in them 
being hemmed in, pinned down by the greatest army ever known to mankind at that time. Why would he do that? Like, why would he lead them in this way? Answer? Because he knew that if they went to the Philistines and saw the war that was happening there, that they would want to go back to Egypt. Do you hear what that's saying, friends? This is, I want to tell you, like, this, is, this is your life. Many of you, you come with these questions. This is your life. Why does he lead them in the opposite direction, 500 kilometers in the wrong direction, only to be pinned down by this army? Why does he do it? Answer, because he didn't think they could handle it if they went the other way. Do you hear that? God leads you one answer to that, one reason, one decision point that he uses when he's leading you as he's doing right now in your life, in your families, in your children, in your work, in your service to the city, as you're thinking about the reverse offering, he's leading you in such a way that takes into account your weakness. Think about that. And now there's a problem that many of you are experiencing at the moment. Right? Okay, this, this is what the scripture is telling, saying God didn't lead them to the Philistines because he was concerned that if they saw war, right, if they, if they quote, saw war, as the, you know, Pharaoh is not too far behind, right, but if they saw the war at the Philistines, he's saying if they do that, perhaps it would have happened sooner, right, we don't know a whole lot what was going on there, But he said, if they see war, that they'll turn back and want to go back to Egypt, right? So he takes into account their weakness, but here's the problem, okay? On one hand, he takes into account their weakness. On the other hand, he leads them, as it were, into a hornet's nest, okay? Right? On one hand, he's saying, if they go go through Philistine, right? If If they see the Philistines, they will want to go back to Egypt, and this... You know, I, I, I take into account their weaknesses, and so that's not happening. So I know what we'll do. We'll lead them in the wrong direction to this place called the Red Sea. Right? And we will see that Pharaoh encloses them in to the Red Sea because they can handle that. Right? And friends, there is a deep truth here that I want to help you appreciate this morning. Right? Two deep truths. Number one, God leads you in such a way that factors in your weaknesses, okay? And I want this to be personal to you. God is leading you right now, factoring in your weaknesses, what you can and cannot handle. However, where he's leading you is quite possibly to a place that you do not think you can handle, okay? That's, the, that's what the message of this passage is. God leads you factoring in your weaknesses. So he knows, I can't go to Philistine, that would be too much, but we will go to the Red Sea, right? That is the simple message of this passage. He's leading you, taking into account your weaknesses, but then he takes you to a place where you do not think you can handle it. It's, it's uh, both at the same time. And friends, I want to tell you that uh, one reality that I think uh, I've seen over and over again in my ministry, in my life, in my family and I've seen, uh, and many of you actually, is this. You can handle more than you think, okay? You can handle more than you think. That is just the simple reality. And as I've walked with folks through unimaginable situations, and I've seen your strength, as I have with many of you, 
I've seen you walk through some things that I cannot imagine walking through, right? And, and what I'm seeing and what I'm discerning in that is, wow, you are able to handle more than I can even imagine, more than you can imagine, right? But nonetheless, God is leading you, taking into account those things that you cannot handle. Now, the Apostle Paul really, I think, drank deeply of this passage. He really reflects on it um, as he's writing his letter to the Corinthians. If you want a, some extra credit, you could read the 10th chapter of Corinthians. It's, to a significant extent, uh, a meditation on this passage and on the Red Sea that will come. And this is what he says. He says, no temptation, right? no test, no circumstance, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Do you hear his reflection? God will not allow, and you can substitute the word tested, God will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability. That's, that's a simple message of this passage. Philistines, beyond their ability. Being pinned down by Pharaoh, that was fine. Right? That's your life. That's your life in the kingdom of God. God says no to the Philistines, yes to Pharaoh. And as we think about that, uh, we can only reflect on who God is and what he is doing, and I hope that you will take some time to reflect even in this day and even in this time. I loved that song. It's a hard song to sing, but you guys did a great job, right? And we, we talked about it uh, as a staff, and we said, you know, we think we really... We really need to hear this song this morning. I'm going to read some of it from you. Um, the author says this. He says, Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief, blind unbelief is sure to err, and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. Now, this song was written by someone who I believe, if lived today, would be institutionalized. He had multiple suicide attempts, was someone who experienced the darkest of depressions. Right? But he understood something about the way that God was leading him. Right? Just like this passage, leading him, taking into account his weakness, but leading him nonetheless into places that he did not think he could handle. Right? He writes this song as a guide to us, and I hope that you allow it to be a guide for you. So that's the, that's the first big idea, that God leads you. That's the first thing. Second thing, he leads you taking into account your weaknesses, so he's, he knows when it's too much. And then the third thing is, he leads you to places you think are too much, but really aren't. Those are the three things of this passage. So what do we do with that? What shall we do, I wonder? Well, so I was reflecting on this and thinking about, you know, how might we change, if what I'm saying is true, what, what kind of change might flow out from that? And this is the first, uh, and, and, and if you take away one thing, one tangible thing from this sermon, I hope that you take this away. If it's true that God is leading you, right, not theoretically, but right now, right in this moment, right in this season, right in what you're facing, if he is leading you, taking into account your weakness, leading you to places that you think are more than you can handle, what does that mean for you? Answer? It means we should seek to follow him. 
right? That's what the Israel did. They were like, I don't know why we're going this way, but we're just going to trust this cloud and trust this fire and you know, move in this direction. What does that mean for you, practically speaking? It means that you should take some time this day, this summer, and invest in Sabbath rest and prayer. Okay? I want to just repeat this for you. This is advice I give over and over again, and I'm still learning it myself. I want to plead with you this summer, and it's a great time to do this, to invest in Sabbath rest and prayer. Now, what do I mean by Sabbath rest, right? Does that mean you're not allowed to do anything on Saturdays? No, you're allowed to come to the workday on Saturday, okay? <laughs> I know, that's a little awkward. But no, Sabbath rest, this is what I mean by Sabbath rest. What's the difference between Sabbath rest and simply a beach vacation, which we all love, I think, right? It's very rare to meet someone that doesn't like a beach vacation. Okay. What's the difference between Sabbath rest and a beach vacation? Well, a beach vacation can be Sabbath rest, but there's one thing that you need to have happen there, right? And that's this. You need to have the kind of rest that leads you to a deeper level of prayer, right? So I don't know about you, uh, my experience a lot of time is when we finally, you know, you work, it's so busy before a vacation, right? You work so hard and you got all, all the, you got to fill the van and then you got to fill the top of the van, then you got to fill the back of the van and like everyone's yelling at everyone and then finally you get on the road and you're like, <gasps> okay. And then the kids, you know, iPads run out of charge and they start, you know, like assaulting each other and everything. And then you finally get to the beach, right? And then it's, oh, it's all good. And what I do is I just want to check out of everything. I don't want to think about anything. I don't want to do anything. I just want to order a pina colada and, you know, that's that, okay? Right? And those, there's nothing wrong with that, um, short of the kids assaulting each other. It's probably something wrong in that, I imagine. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. However, I'll tell you this. If it does not include something that leads you into a deeper prayer with God, you will not come away from that with the kind of spiritual restoration that I long for you to have. You will not have an increase in the joy that I desire for us all if your resting does not lead you to commune with God at a different level. So that's, a sim that's my simple uh, exhortation to you regarding Sabbath rest. Find a way to be still and take some time to simply listen to the Lord, right? Take some time to, the scripture says, Josh referenced it earlier, it says, be still and know that I am God. Right? What does that look for you? What does that look like for you this day? What does that look like for you in your circumstances? I wonder if you could simply, even today, find 15 minutes, put the phone down, put everything down, and go and simply say this, line. God, where are you leading me? I want to follow you. And you, you might even say more than that. You may say, I'm bewildered by you. I don't get what you're doing. I frankly don't like what you're doing. I'm not sure that I agree that I can handle what you're doing, but I trust you. Could you do that today? Could you take 15 minutes could you invest in 15 minutes this day even to simply be still before God, to reflect on who he is, perhaps to reflect on a short 
uh, passage of Scripture? And could you simply say those words to God and then spend time in just consideration and in stillness? That's the first thing, right? That if God is leading us, if He's leading us in this way, then it means to a large extent that if we are going to believe that and if we're going to lean into that, the product will be a deeper kind of prayer than we currently have. It's interesting. This was a big deal in the New Testament, by the way. Um, So the Apostle Paul says, you know, his prayer for the people of God, he says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will, i.e. how he's leading you. I want you to be able to discern good from evil, know his ways, right? And in uh, the letter of the Romans, uh, he says, you know, I want you to be renewed by the transformation of your mind. And friends, to a significant extent, that involves two things, right? It involves the scripture, that's how we know who God is, and then it involves meditating, right? Being still, being at peace, turning off the noise of this world, and allowing God to speak. It's interesting, um, I asked Becky, pleaded with Becky, to uh, do this last song that we're doing and include this uh, lesser-known verse. It's the song, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. And I want to read you this verse. It says this, Round each habitation hovering, see the cloud and fire appear for a glorying and a covering showing that the Lord is near, thus deriving from our banner light by day and shade by night. Safe they feed upon the manna which he gives them when they pray. See, God's design for your life is that it would be a life lived in communion with him as expressed to a significant degree by stillness and prayer. So that's my simple exhortation to you uh, on a practical standpoint this morning is that I want to plead with you to make some kind of tangible investment in that. No matter how chaotic your life is right now, right? No matter how chaotic, no matter how much it's falling apart, if you can take even just 15 minutes once a week and make an investment in that, believe that you will be deeply blessed as a result. Uh, It's interesting. One of my mentors says this. He says, apart from prayer... Life consists of an endless variety of possibilities and objectives. We wander in aimless uncertainty until we, quote, commit our plans to the Lord, and He will establish them. However, in a life of kingdom prayer, we discern the present illuminated through the practice of prayer. Right? So in other words, if you find yourself walking around in circles, which actually Israel did, literally speaking, If you find yourself doing that and you find yourself bewildered by God, if you find the mystery of His will to be overwhelming, I plead with you to spend time in prayer seeking to know what He's up to. And I believe that He will reveal that in time. So that's my single exhortation. Now, uh, as we wrap up, I want to tell you this. You know, when God says, In verse 17, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Sad to say, for the people of God, right, who experienced all these things, this would become a refrain, right? It's like if you listen to modern worship music, we have a lot of refrains, right? We'll sing How Great Is Our God like 70 times, right? You know, someone, there was a a joke I saw the other day that said, the control C button on this author's computer is broken from overuse, (laughs) right? Over and over and over again. Well, sad to say, 
that for the people of God, for his people, just like you and me, there was a refrain, and that was this. Life was better in Egypt. I wish that we could go back. That's the refrain. If you read through Exodus and Numbers, Deuteronomy, you will see it comes up over and over and over and over again. Why did you bring us out here to die? Why are you doing this? You know, yes, we were oppressed. Yes, we were slaves. Yes, it was hard, but at least we had three square ones, right? We had, we, we, we had enough to eat. We had a room, of, you know, room and board. And it was better than this. That was the refrain of the people of God over and over and over and over again. Right? And God, God was really grieved by that, by the way. Right? What, is, what does that mean for us? Well, it means this, friends. The only way that what I'm saying to you can actually lead you to the place I want you to be led to is when your soul, not just your mind, but your soul begins to really know and understand and believe that God is really good, that he's really up to something good, that he's up to something better than those things that you would choose, right? I would have gone through the land of the Philistines. I would say, guys, the wrong direction, how bad can it be, right? I would have done all sorts of things differently than God, right? So would you, right? Those of you wrestling with where you are, basically what you're saying, I would do, I would do this so differently right now, you know? Like, I would never go to the Red Sea. I mean, what a strategic mistake that would be to let ourselves get pinned down by Egypt. I mean, we should roll the dice with the Philistines. That would be a far better thing, right? In the same way, we find ourselves in that same place. And if we can learn anything from our ancestors, our spiritual ancestors, we can learn this. That just like us, they were very quick to be overwhelmed by their circumstances, not truly in their souls believing that God is good. Right? And so, therefore, the second part of my exhortation to you as we close is this. Number one, take time to be still, take time to consider, take Sabbath rest, invest in prayer. Number two, take a fresh look at the cross of Jesus Christ. Right? It is only in the cross of Jesus Christ that we have the slightest of glimpse as to what he's up to. Right? Yeah, I want you to think, I mean, for, for some of us, we think going you know, south, 500 kilometers, right? That, that makes no sense. But what about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? As he knows exactly where he's going, and he knows exactly why he's going there, and he knows exactly what's going to happen there. And yet, and yet he, he follows his father's guidance. His father leads him, right, not to the Red Sea, where they will have this cool story that you'll get to hear next week if you come back, right? But his father leads them to a place called Golgotha, the place of the skull. He leads him to a place of actual abandonment when he turns his face away, when, he's, when Christ will, in a very real way, say, I am forsaken by God. God is not leading me. He's left me. He's turned away. I've experienced, I'm experiencing the abandonment of God. But we understand through the scriptures that God was placing upon his son the guilt of our unbelief in him. Every time we say in our hearts, life was better in Egypt, life was better without you, I don't agree with this, so I'm going my own way. Every time we sin in that way, in countless others, 
God was keeping a record of those so that he could place them on the shoulders of the son that he loves. And friends, this table tells us that even when we find ourselves bewildered by God's plans, even when we find ourselves bewildered by his will, even when we have no idea what he's up to, we can be sure of one thing, that he is acting out of a profound commitment to you, such that cannot be described. And we know that as we come to this table and as the son that he loves that never did anything wrong, that never ever questioned his goodness, that never ever went in a different direction, received the punishment for our sins. Hallelujah. Let us worship. Let me pray for us.